Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement. Take a look at Numbers chapter 13. You're probably familiar with this story when the 12 spies were sent in. Moses sent out the 12 spies into the land of Canaan to spy out the land. And uh, I just want to take a look at this this morning and, and teach from this passage. And, and, and I may preach a little bit, teach a little bit, prophesy a little bit. We'll just see where we end up. But, but y'all can hang with me this morning, right? Okay. How about we start off with a little bit of prophecy and say that I believe that for you, that God is wanting to bring you into a new place. God's been speaking to you about, about a new place that he's, that he's wanting to establish you in in your life. Pastor Anna was talking about this. I thought it was so awesome. She captured that and what I felt like the Lord was stirring in me this, this week about today's service. But there's, there's a new place, it's a new season and it's time for new people in your life. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. When, when God brought them into the land of Canaan, they were coming out of one place into another place. They were coming out of their place of bondage into a place of liberty and freedom. Now, you have to understand that the, that the land that they were moving into there, there was still giants in the land. There were still issues that had to be dealt with, but God was bringing them out of their bondage into a new place. A lot of times when, when God's bringing us into a new place, we see the giants, we see the issues, and we begin to doubt, well, God, you're, th- this is no different than Egypt. We would, we would be better off staying in Egypt. At least there we knew who we were dealing with. Now you've brought us into a land of giants. You've brought us into a land that we've got to now conquer. So I I just want to encourage you this morning that maybe just because the place God's bringing you to doesn't look like you think it should, or, you know, maybe, maybe there's elements of the land. I'm not sure about that. God has called you into that new place. Be encouraged that, that the same God who's called you into that new place will give you victory over the enemy that's there. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it, but it was bringing them into a new place, and it was also, it was a new season. They, they had been doing things according to the Egyptians. They had been operating according to slavery and bondage for 400 years. You can imagine the, the, the lifestyle and the pattern of behavior and the cycles that were formed around 400 years of slavery. Our country, we're, you know, the July 4th is coming up this week. We're celebrating our country. But, you know, our country is only, what, 172 years or, how, you know, how old? Is it quick mathematicians here? 200? It's very, very under 200. So you get the idea. Uh, the idea is for 400 years, longer than our country's been around. Think about your, your, your grandma and your great granny and your great auntie and great uncle. Oh, you just keep going back and back and back. And, and all you know and all they knew was the United States of America and just how we operate. 
these people, the, the Israelites, for 400 years were in slavery and bondage. Can somebody say new season? That's, that's, a, that's a shift in how you operate. That's a shift in how you believe and how you view and, and what's happening. God brought them out of their bondage into a land, into a season of doing things a little different. I'm sure, and we see it uh, as the story unfolds with Moses and him pulling out his hair and dealing with this, <laughs> maybe not literally, but, but with the Israelites, he's dealing with these issues. And we see this cycle repeated. Let us go back to each, let us go back to our bondage where we were. Those same cycles, those same patterns. I, I want to tell you today, God wants to break the cycles and the patterns of your Egyptian heritage in those days. That season that you were in of the bondage and the cycles of Egypt, it's time for those things to break off of you. It's time for a season change. It's time for an operation change. It's how you, how you normally operate might be default into insecurity and fear and anxiety or depression. And God wants to shift you out of that way of operating. He wants to bring you in to a new season. Does anybody, can anybody hear me this morning? He wants to shift your way of operating today. It's a season change. And I, I get it. Season changes are not always easy. When God says it's time to pick up and, and move, you're, you're leaving Egypt and you're going into Canaan. You're, you're leaving the pattern of bondage and the cycle of bondage into the place of freedom. I understand that when he says that, sometimes it's a little difficult to make that change when you're so used to doing it a certain way. But, but if you want to live in the blessing, if you want to live in the place of his presence and his goodness, he's going to take you out of what was and bring you in. He's exchanging. That's, that's really what he's about. He's exchanging. He's not asking you for anything. He's just asking you to get up and move, to stop doing it this way and get over to here. And just take that step. He's, he understands you're not going to be able to, to break that bondage off of yourself. He understands that, that he, he didn't ask the Israelites to, to, to conquer the Egyptians. He said, I'll send the plagues. I'll deal with the Egyptians. You just got to go. I, I'll deal with the problems along the way. I'll protect you. I'll send a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. I'll, I'll deal with all that you need. You just got to move. You got to cooperate. You got to co-labor with me. Just surrender to me in this process. And when you do that, all of a sudden you find yourself walking this pathway into a new season, a new place, and thirdly, new people. They weren't surrounded by the Egyptians anymore. Their, their Egyptian buddies got drowned in the sea. Yeah, somebody, somebody's getting that this morning. The, 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 the people that, that want to hold you back, the people that want to keep you restrained, the people that, that are in your life that say, oh no, you could never do that. God, God, what is this God stuff? You could never go there, or be that person. They, all of a sudden you find them floating on top of the Red Sea. What happened to that person? God dealt with them. God took care of them. They're no longer around you trying to hold you back. New people. Sometimes the, the new people in your life. Huh, they may not be Egyptians. 
They might be fellow Israelites, but they might rub you the wrong way. Because when you're on a journey and you want to get somewhere, let me, let me explain it to you like this. Those of you that have children will understand this. When you're going on vacation or somewhere, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Mom, are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? Where are we going? What are we doing? Are we there yet? Anybody been there? And there might be some of those people around you. Are we there yet? Pastor, are we there yet? Come on. And they, where are we going? What are we doing? Are we there yet? Pastor, God, what are we doing? Are we there yet? And, and they might, right? Let me remind you what Peter says about that. You are God's own special people. You're a peculiar people. You've been called out. You've been called out of Egypt. You've been called out of that old place, that old season, and he's bringing you into something new. Instead of arguing with the people that God's put around you or being offended with the people that God's put around you, begin to embrace them and recognize them that they're the called out ones with you. No matter what they look like, smell like, or act like, they have been called out with you. Embrace them. They're, they're the living stones we were talking about this morning. You're being built together. You're on a journey in to the promised land together. New place, new season, new people. I want to take a look at, at uh, these spies that went out. First off, that word spies in Numbers 13, that you could read this whole chapter, and, and I'm going to reference it at different points. I would encourage you to read Numbers 13 and 14. This is a, a long story, and I, I don't want to take the time to read all of it in from the scripture this morning, but I would encourage you to do that on your own because everybody has devotion time and, the, and private time, and I know that you can add that into your private time this week to do that. But that, that word spies is, is the word, we use the word pioneer. These were people that were sent out to explore a new territory and to settle it. The pioneers I think there's some pioneers in the house this morning. People, people who have, have that pioneer spirit that say, God, we're, we're not going to settle for anything but victory over the season and the place and the people that you've called us to. God, we're not, we're not settling for anything else. This is what you've spoken. This is where your presence is leading us. And we're going to pioneer. We're going we're gonna to settle the territory that, that you've called us to. Pioneers, you see, pioneers ha have this, this mentality mentality, you know, if you flip through the history and watch the history channel on TV, pioneers were, were determined people. They, they set out across the, the United States. They started on the East Coast and the, the gold rush, happy, remember the gold rush and it, the slogan was gold or bust. You know, we've got, we're going to pioneer the West. We're going to pioneer the land and we're settle it. They were determined. They were, they were almost, there was this uh, tenacity about them and that we have that same tenacity is the people of God that, that we're not going to settle for anything less than to settle in what God has called us to. We want to obtain what God has called us to. He's empowered us. He's equipped us. And we've got to move into that. I'm not, I'm not just talking about a, 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 maybe a promise that God's giving you about your life. I think, I think those things are important. And, and, and God's 
called you and, and, and put a purpose and a plan in your life and those things are important. But I, I'm talking a little bit higher than that this morning. I, I think those things are good and this will apply to that. But I, I want you to maybe raise your eyes with me just a little bit this morning and say that God has called you to pioneer a land in the Great Lakes region. God has called you. There, there's more to your life than just what you're going to eat tomorrow for breakfast. There's more to your life than the Wheaties or the bagel or where you're going to live or what kind of house or car you're going to have. I I want you to just raise your eyes just a little bit because God's called you to pioneer a land. I'm, I'm speaking to you this morning. It, it's a little bit higher, maybe than just a pastoral feel-good message. I, I want you to raise up just a little bit and get your, get your prophetic eyes on this morning and scope out the land that God has called you to. He's called you to the Great Lakes. He's called you to a region He's called you to an area that's inhabited by giants. And he said, I'm going to take the head off of those giants. But you've got to go on a journey. I'm going to take the head off of your enemy. But you've got to be willing to go on a journey. You've got to be willing to pioneer. You've got to be willing. Yeah, I'll take care of the house and you're going to, you're going to build the house and you're going to have the car. All those blessings will come. But I, I want you to get above that. There's, there's something more, something deeper, something more real, something more tangible than the house that you live in and the, the possessions that you have or the maybe calling. That's, you know, I thank God for calling me into ministry, but there's, there's something greater than just being a pastor. There's, there's a reason why I'm a pastor. He didn't just call me to be a pastor to preach and get up on Sunday and lead a church or do those kinds of things. He called me to pastor because there's a region that he's called me to that has to be affected. I've got to pioneer the land. And and that's exactly what we've been doing. We've been pioneering a land that's starving for the spirit of God to move. And and that we've been pioneering. It's not easy to pioneer, but, but my God, if you just get on the journey, God takes care of it. When the giants begin to roar their ugly selves, I don't have to worry what they look like or sound like. Because I didn't get, I didn't call myself here. I didn't, I didn't make a decision. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, oh I'm going to go to Akron, Ohio and pastor. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't, sorry, I didn't do that. I didn't wake up one day and just think, oh, I, you know, it'd be great to be a pastor. Be great to deal with God's people all day long. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't do that. There are days I wake up saying, God, why? <laughs> but I don't have to worry when people want to talk bad about me. When people have their, when they have their backdoor conversations, well, you know, that pastor you know, he, they, they, he pastors that church where they roll on the floor and they speak in tongues and they, the Holy Spirit's in that church. <laughs> I don't worry about that. Thank God he's here. <laughs> 
I don't worry about those things. I don't worry about whether everybody likes me and I'm winning friends and influencing people. I don't, you know, that's not on my agenda. Yeah, I want to have friends and relationships, but that's not my priority. My priority is on there's something greater that God's called me to. And if you like me, praise God, we'll run together. And if not, see you later. Find your place on the track. We're going to run this race. You may run with me, you may not, but we're going to run the race. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth. You, you've just got to find your place and say, God, what is it? You've called me to pioneer. You've called me to pioneer and settle a land. You know, I'm convinced that when you, when you see, when you really see what God has spoken over your situation, where he's bringing you to, the giants don't matter anymore. The issues don't matter anymore. We'll take a look. I, I just, man, I, I, I'm preaching and I'm not, I'm not following my notes. We'll just, we'll just keep going here. Some of the names of these spies. I, this is interesting. The spies that were sent into the land. Here's the, Please don't try to write these down, but uh, unless you have a Hebrew background or something, this I can't even pronounce them all. We'll do. I'll do my best. Shamua. See, I told you, not the whale. That's Shamu. This is Shamua. Means renown. Shaphat means judge. He was the prince of Simeon or the governor of Simeon. There was Caleb, which means fruitful or devoted. Egal means he redeems. Then there was Joshua. We know Joshua means salvation. Palti, my deliverance. Gadiel, God is my fortune. Gadi, to stand out. Amiel, my kinsman is God. Sether means secret. Nabi means hidden. And then there was Gul or Jewel, however you say his name. Majesty of God. They, they obtained their names for a reason. These names weren't just haphazardly assigned to them. We didn't just haphazardly name Asher Asher. There was a reason why we named him Asher. There was a reason why these people were named the names that they were given. And I find it so interesting that, that they all have names that are testifying to the character of God and yet only two of them remain steadfast in the character of God as they were spying out the land. If you're not careful, you can forget your identity in the middle of a promise. If you're not careful, you will forget who God has named you to be because you've become focused on a promise instead of his character. God, you said I was going into the promised land. I can't get into the promised land because there's a bunch of giants. And you become so focused on, on what you want God to do instead of who he's called you to be. You've been called the chosen. The peculiar people, the called out. You've been called the majesty of God. God is my kinsman. He's my redeemer. He's my salvation. I mean, just those names alone, if you meditate on those, you could get happy. He's, you know, faithful and devoted. He redeems me. He's my salvation. He's my deliverance. God is my fortune. He's called me to stand out. He's called, he's, he's my kinsman. These were the people that they had watched God move in Egypt. 
They had witnessed the 12 plagues and watched how God spared them. They watched the firstborn of the Egyptians die and how God spared them. They watched, I don't, I can't imagine being in, in a country, Egypt, the Egyptians, and watching and hearing the screams, watching the, the moms and the dads, the Egyptian parents run around as their firstborn child died at the death angel that was passing by. And they witnessed this with their own eyes. They watched with their own eyes how God came down and delivered them out of 400 years of slavery. God didn't send uh, uh, an angel. He came. He sent Moses, but, but he came. God, the Bible says that God came down. He came into Egypt and delivered them out. They watched it with their own eyes. They watched the pillar of fire. They watched the pillar of cloud. And yet when they get to the promised land, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't go in there. Here are the instructions. I, as, as you're going into a new territory, as you're walking into a new place, let me, let me kind of take a look at the instructions that God gave to Moses, Moses gave to the people of what they were supposed to do to prepare as they went into their new territory. He said, number one, I want you to see what the land is like. Take an honest inventory of where you're going. A lot of times what happens when God speaks to us, we jump on that word and we take off running. God said, or we sit back and we do nothing with it. We find ourselves in this great paradigm and one end of the spectrum. And what God was telling the Israelites to do is to take an honest inventory of where you're headed. God gave them a promise. He told them where they were headed, but they had to take responsibility for it. God has made promise and provision for your healing. God has made promise and provision for your protection. God has made promise and provision for, for redemption. God has made promise and provision for your baptism in the Holy Ghost. God has made promise and provision for everything in his word. It's our responsibility to take ownership of that. I can't just sit back and say, well, God said that, so... That's a good word, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. And go home and never apply it. If you want, listen, I thank God that in this room, his presence is so heavy. And just by osmosis almost, you can be affected by his presence. But if you really want to live this life of abundance that God's called you to, John 10, 10, he's called you to the abundant life that all things are possible, then you've got to take responsibility. I can't do it for you. You've got to take responsibility for the promise that God's given to you. I said, take an account. Take an account of where you're headed. A lot of times, in, especially in Pentecostal circles, we, f we feel like, well, if I stop to take an account, I'm not acting in faith. God, after all, God said move. That means I, I got to go. And, and, and we don't take time to take an account to evaluate and inspect what he's really saying. And we get it. And what happens is we end up getting ahead of ourselves and we find ourselves in a mess and we don't understand why. We just need to slow it down for a moment, press pause and say, God, thank you for your word. You said that you're bringing me into the promised land. You're bringing me into Canaan. What does that mean? 
you know, uh, let me just give you a very simple example of this. But, uh, you know, a lot of times when, when people are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, oh, I got a prophecy from the Lord. And, and God gives you, a, you know, just a nugget. And he does that intentionally. But he wants to develop it, but he's wanting to see if you'll take responsibility for what he's given to you. And sometimes people begin to act out of their own flesh and wishful thinking and begin to say things without really taking time to hear from the Lord on it. God, what, what is it that you, and, and you end up offending people with a word that really wasn't from God. It was, you know, a portion of a word or a portion of what God said, but not the full picture. So take the time to say, God, what is it that you're really saying? And what does it mean that I'm going into Canaan? What does that mean? And does it mean that I got to do it now? Or are you doing it later? Are we doing it in five years? Take into account inventory what God is saying regarding your life. God's called us to pioneer in the Great Lakes. That means that we've got to take inventory of what God has called us to do. What is in the Great Lakes? That, what giants are in the land? What do we have to do? What, are, what has God set us out to accomplish? When God called Noah to build an ark, he had to take time to get the blueprints from God. Can you imagine had Noah tried to build an ark without having the direction from the Lord? That is not a theory you want to test when the rain is pouring out like it's been doing here for the past 40 days. <laughs> you'll know real quick whether, whether your house is going to float or sink. You need the blueprints from heaven. You need to understand, how do you get two of every animal in the ark? God, thank you for that word. I am not an agriculture specialist. <laughs> I don't know how, I'm not, I don't manage the zoo. I need your direction. Can you imagine all of the details that had to go into running the ark? How do you deal with all the animal? <laughs> Think about it. There was an, I'm just being silly, but there, there's, a, there's a little bit of an inventory that has to be taken. The second thing he said to them, is whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Who's in the land? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Are they for you? Are they against you? Not everybody who says they're in your corner is for you. I've had many people tell me, Pastor, I love your preaching. I love your ministry. And they're the very ones who talk about me behind my back. Not everybody that says they're for you is with you. So know who is in the land. Know who you're running with. If you're in a race together, you better know your partner. Who are you handing the baton off to? When Paul went to Ephesus, I love this. It's a great picture of taking inventory of who's in the land. When Paul went to Ephesus, 
he asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they all looked at him like he was crazy. We don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And then he asked them another question. Into what then were you baptized? Well, we were baptized in John's baptism. So he began to take an account of who was in the land, who was in Ephesus. He already knew that they worshiped the goddess Diana. They knew, he knew all about Ephesus. He knew about the, the commerce that was there. He knew all about the land. And then he has to begin to find out who are the, who's the religious people. Who, what's, what are we working with here? We didn't know there was the Holy Spirit. We were baptized in John's baptism. Well, we got to deal with that first. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to be baptized for repentance and remission of sin. And he dealt with that first. Now you can receive the Holy Spirit. And he laid hands on them. And they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He had to take an account of who was there. A lot of times, as we're, as we're talking about giants here in the land, let me equate this maybe a little metaphorically here. When we look at giants in the land, metaphorically, we think of people who are successful. Who are the, who are the giants in the land? I want to follow them. I want to follow the successful people. They've been around a while. They've, they've got a big ministry. They've got a big name. I want to follow the success. Sometimes the greatest wisdom comes from those who nobody knows. Sometimes we're looking for the giants and God's busy dealing with the issues in the giants. It's the giants that don't hang out very long. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth. Sometimes the giants are here today and they're gone tomorrow, but, but it's those people who've been faithful, the little people who've been faithful through the years, who are in your corner, who want to give you wisdom more than any of the other giants in the land could give you. You just got to be willing to listen. Just a thought. The third thing he said to them is whether the people are few or they're many. Know who they are, what they're like, but how many there they are. You need to understand what size of the miracle you're going to need. Are we dealing with a $10 blessing or a $50 million blessing? Are we dealing with the ability to make it through tomorrow? Or are we talking about a 5-year, 10-year, 15-year situation? Let me give you an example of this from the ministry of Jesus. The feeding of the 5,000. It would be a whole lot different if it was 20 or 25, but the disciples take into a, an account, there's 5,000. Your five loaves and two fish are always sufficient in the hands of God. No matter the size of the crowd, no matter the size of the land that you are taking territory over. Your, your, your little is always enough. Your, what's, what you bring and, and surrender to God is always enough. But you, but you need to understand what it's going to take to multiply that. It's just a, it's a step of faith. It's not, it's not saying uh, a disbelief or doubt. God, we have 5,000. And I'm expecting that these 5,000 are going to be fed. And we need a miracle. And Jesus will always respond to meet the need. 
But if you don't understand what your need is, how do you know when God has met it? If God's called you to take possession of the promised land, but you never take into account of what's there and what size of a miracle you really need, you'll never know if he actually met it. So what it does is it it sets you up from the beginning to say, okay, God, I need 5,000 people fed today. (laughs) I don't know where that food's coming from. All I've got is a little boy's lunch. But if you can use it, you can have it. But we've got 5,000. And Jesus takes it and he blesses it and begins to break it. And not only does he meet the need, but there was 12 basketfuls left over. That's the kind of God we serve. God, I, I, I don't know if, if this is going to work. Don't, don't worry about that. He's got the supply. He's got the resources that you need. And the great news is he never runs out. He's got the resources and the ability and the desire to supply. You just have to engage with what you have and take inventory of what you need. You do this every time you tithe. Hopefully you tithe, but you do this every time you tithe. You take inventory of what you have and you know what you need. I, God, here's, here's my tithe. Here's the 10% of what I've made. And here's what I need. This is the miracle. This is the breakthrough that I, I'm believing you for. And you sow that seed into the ground and you're believing that God's going to return what you've just sown. He's going to multiply what you've just sown. If you don't do that, how do you know that your, your needs are being met? I th- thank God for tithing. Thank God that you do it. But take it a step further. Take that, take that baby step a step further and say, okay, God, I'm sowing my seed. I'm sowing my tithe. And I'm believing that you're going to multiply. And this need in my life is going to be met. Does anybody hear me this morning? He said, take inventory of how many are there, whether there's few or many. If the land is good or bad, number four, if the land is good or bad, is this a good idea or a bad idea? (laughs) Did I really hear from God or is this wishful thinking? If God is bringing you someplace and it seems bad, then he'll also give you a promise to deal with the bad. He promised the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey, but he also promised to deal with their adversaries. Not everything is going to be easy all the way, but he promised to deal with the hardships as well. When God's bringing you from the land of Egypt into his promised land, There are going to be giants that have to be dealt with. There's going to be a Jericho that has to come down. Does anybody hear me? There's going to, as soon as you get over that river, there's going to be a Jericho that's walls have to come down. That city has to be defeated. But the same God who said you're going in is the same God who will respond when you blow your trumpets and yell. That will cause the walls to come crashing down. If he's given you his word and his direction to enter, he'll, he'll take care of every step of the, prof, the, prof, 
the process. Number five, are the cities like open camps or fortifications? I love this. In other words, do they roam about freely or have they established residence? Let me, let me just bring this into a church context. Are they church hoppers setting up a campsite here today and gone tomorrow? Or are they building a residence and settling down? Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth. Hallelujah. <laughs> we live in a culture that loves to be transient. We live in a culture that says, well, if, I don't, if I'm not comfortable here, I'll, I'll move my campsite over there. If God's called me to, to maybe this area, and I just doesn't feel good. I, I'm, it feels a little uncomfortable. I don't want to be convicted in church. I don't want to be challenged. I mean, it's a little uncomfortable. So maybe I should move over here where things look nicer and, and smell nicer and have a better performance and look good. I'll just move over there where it's... A little easier campsite. (laughs) Or maybe there's people in your life that follow all of the passing trends and spiritual fads. They're they're over on this doctrine today and over on that thing tomorrow. And you know, one one Sunday they're dancing with flags and the next Sunday they're chasing the oil. Whatever it is. And I don't get me wrong, I don't mind any of those things, but but we we find the fads and it's just let's bounce from one thing to the next. And we wonder why in, in five years we look back and say, where did that person go? They're chasing fads and spiritual trends. They haven't rooted an established residence. They haven't, they haven't let their roots go down. My job as a pastor is to help you get your roots to go down, to be established, to take up residence. Don't be easily swayed and move your campsite around. Just, well, pastor, it's uncomfortable. I know it is. You should do this. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to stand up and tell people what God says and know that it's challenging them. It's uncomfortable to have people sit in your pews and on Sunday and smile at you and leave and go talk about you on Facebook on Monday. I know. I know you do it. I see it. I know I don't say anything about it, but I sit back and cry every time. God, why? You told me to say this and now they're mad at me. They're not going to tithe Sunday because they're mad at me. You laugh because you know it's true. I know it's nobody here does that. I'm just, it's nobody here. Don't, don't make the mistake of trying to make a leaf into a root when the leaf just wants to blow with the wind. Let them blow on by. Let them blow on by. Let the roots go down. Find the people that are building their houses with you and say, let's build. Pastor Anna was talking about this. God's established a foundation. Let's build. Let's build. 
we have a territory to take. We have a territory to take. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am you. I'm telling you, we have a territory to take. <laughs> the sixth thing he says to the, I'm not even going to get through my notes. I'm getting through like three pages of my notes this morning. And I have like eight, so I'm not going to finish this today. Number six, is the land fat or lean? In other words, what is it reproducing? What is it reproducing? What are you reproducing? You will reproduce according to your kind. Are you being fruitful? And is the fruit that you're producing healthy? If there's no fruit or it's unhealthy fruit, look at the tree. Let me give you the example from Jesus's ministry. He labeled the fruit that, were, that was produced by the religious leaders. He called them blind guides, fools, whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones and full of uncleanness, serpents and hypocrites. Now, God has not called you to be the holy fruit inspector and to walk around our church with your badge and judge everybody's fruitfulness. We're going to put you in time out if that's what you decide to do. <laughs> okay? But you have to take inventory of the land that God has called you to. What is the fruit in the land? Is it being fruitful? And if it's not, why not? Is the land able to sustain the fruitfulness? Is, is there soil? Is there rich soil? Is there nutrients in the ground? I can talk about this as it relates to church, but, but you can think of in your own life. If, if God is calling you to, particular, to possess a particular place, and you examine that place, and there's not healthy fruit, you have to ask yourself what's going into that ground. What's going into that tree? Is the tree diseased, or is it getting the nutrients that it needs from the soil? Is, is there faith in the land? If the, if the tree is not reproducing in the spiritual there's got to be faith. There's got to be the faith of sap that's going into that tree that's working its ways. We've got to abide in Christ. And as we abide in him, that sap of faith begins to work its way into our, into our limbs, into our leaves, and begins to produce fruit. The Spirit of God's got to be active and working. If there's no fruit, then there, there's got to be a, a question of, is there a disease in the tree? Is there something that's preventing the Spirit of God to produce faith in the tree? Or is it just not getting the nutrients that it needs? Is the, is the Spirit of God not being deposited? Is faith, is the Word of God not being deposited into that soil? And then he says, are there trees or not trees? Is it a barren land or is it, is it desert or is there shade and vegetation? Is there, are we walking into a situation where we've got to bring new life 
in a desert place or, or is it full of vegetation? Number eight, he says, bring back some fruit. I want to pause and talk about this for a moment. It's awesome to have a word from the Lord and to know what he's called you to do and to have a passion about it. It's awesome to be in a place where you're being driven and led by his presence and, and you know he's directing you. I mean, we've, hopefully we've all been there where you, where you know you've heard from God and his presence is leading you and directing you and you have a boldness and a passion and a zeal for what he's called you to do. Hopefully you're there this morning. You're, you're fired up. There's something burning in your belly this morning and it's not last night's pizza. Hopefully there's something stirring on the inside of you. But he says, bring back some fruit. In other words, let others around you see what God's called you to. Let others see what God's called you to do. They can't follow if they don't know where they're going. They can't get on board with what God's called you to do if they can't see it. You see it, it's tangible to you. But how powerful it is when you bring back the fruit and your spiritual leadership, your Moses, your spiritual leader, and those who are close around you can say, you are fruitful. You are fruitful in what God's calling you to do. The Lord is with you. Go do it. There's power when, when the Moses in your life is able to pause and look at the fruit and say to you, the Lord is with you. When we, let me just give a personal example here. When we moved from Louisiana, we had come and we had pioneered the land. We had looked, we had looked at the land, we investigated, we took into account as best as we could, we took into account and saw the fruits, all or you know, all those things and went back, brought the fruit back and said, this is what God's called us to do to our, our Moses, our spiritual leaders. And although it was not easy, sometimes that step into the promise is not always easy. There's some people who will go with you into the promised land. Sometimes that Moses has to say, Joshua, it's all yours, buddy. But I, I'm not going. Go on in. I'm not going. Sometimes, sometimes it's difficult. There's season changes. People changes in your life. But those who are spiritually in leadership in your life will see the fruit and recognize God in it and say, the Lord is with you. Now, I understand. I know somebody sitting there saying this morning, well, you don't know this person. They've been, hey, I'm talking about people who are in your life, who understand God in you and what God's doing in you and have spiritually. And let me say this. There are going to come times where your spiritual leadership is going to say, not now. And you need to be okay with that. The fruit may not be developed and the resources you need to take possession are not there. And if you will obey that wise counsel and say, if they're saying not now, there's wisdom in that. 
I, I'm not talking about the naysayers. If li- listen, if you are, if you're still hung up on naysayers, you got the wrong. You're still in Egypt. You're not even next to Canaan. You've been spying out a promise that ain't even the promise. You've don't shout me down. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. If you're still stuck in Egypt and all the people who want to hang you up and put you out to dry, you're in the you're in the wrong place. You're in wishful thinking trying to find a way out of Egypt that God hasn't called you to. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Hallelujah. I feel it. (laughs) I'm just trying to help. You just, oh, I can't wait to get out of Egypt. Oh, my God. you're, you're You're running over. You're just trying to make something happen. That's not the promise. If you're out of Egypt, if, the, if you're still listening to naysayers and the naysayers are still in your life, you're still hanging out in Egypt. Hear me. You're still hanging out in Egypt. When you get over to the promised land, you say, well, what about them other 10 spies that, you know, had something to say? We'll get to them. We'll get to them. But if all you're listening to is people who are in bondage, you're not in the promised land. But when you bring back that fruit and your spiritual leader says, the Lord is with you, man, not only has God blessed it, but he's blessing what you're doing through your leadership. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. You're ready to conquer the land. You say, well, how, how do you know? Look at Joshua and Caleb. The, the other spies had something to say, and we, we'll get there. But, but Joshua and Caleb brought back the fruit, did what they were instructed to do, presented it to Moses. They, all was a go. God had to deal with the, with the naysayers. God had to deal with the other people. But all was a go. The only two spies that survived the night were Joshua and Caleb. Ten other spies dropped dead that night from pestilence. Can God deal with the negative? Oh, you better believe it. He can deal with the people who are stirring fear and disbelief. He can deal with all of that. But Joshua and Caleb were the ones who said, here's the fruit. God's going to bring us in. God's going to deliver us. The Lord is with us. Moses was blessed. We were ready to go. And everybody else said no. And they're ready to go. But Joshua and Caleb were the ones, when it came time to divvy up the land and the blessings, they were the first in lines. Give me my mountain. Give me my land. For 40 years, they had walked through the wilderness, watching, listening, seeing God move, listening to all the complaining, watching God one by one take out all of his enemies. Give me my land. That same pioneer spirit, that same work of God in them that started 40 years earlier. I want my promise was the same spirit that was in them when they got. Can you imagine Joshua? Fast forward 40 years. I'm going to wrap this up. Worship team coming back. Fast forward 40 years. Moses is dead. 
that in itself is a whole sermon, what happens in that, that time period. Moses, my ser- servant, is dead. And Joshua rides through the camp. In three days, we're crossing. The moment he had been waiting for for 40 years. Your promise may appear delayed, but it is on its way. I can just imagine the anticipation that was rising up inside of Joshua. I can, I can just imagine. Get ready. You, you weren't here 40 years ago. You weren't at this place 40 years ago when, when I was. I stood in this place 40 years ago and I listened to all the complainers. I, I listened to all the people who said we couldn't, but God said we could. I was, I was here 40 years ago when God promised us this land. So get ready. Three days we're crossing over. And when the, when the priest put their feet in the water, the water rolled back. Joshua, I remember as a kid watching the Red Sea do that. I remember as a kid watching Moses take his staff and stretch it out over the sea. And I remember watching it. I want to tell you this morning, there's some of you here today that there are, there's a promise stirring in your belly. That you can look back over the ages of time and you remember that moment just like Moses, like, like Joshua watching Moses. I watched my father, my spiritual dad do that. I watched my daddy do that. I watched the power of God come down and rescue the generation before me. I, I remember watching. I got to tell, I remember, I'm speaking about myself. I remember watching at the prayer meetings how God came down and met a generation who were on their faces before God. I remember watching as the healing power of God flowed as a young boy. I remember my pastor putting me up on the pulpit while he preached. And I remember watching the healing power of God move through a, a, a sanctuary. I remember remember God touching lives. I rem- remember as a child, as God came down and, and people began to fall under the power of God in a supernatural way. I remember my spiritual heritage. Can, can anybody understand what I'm saying? I remember my spiritual heritage. I remember how God met my fathers. He's standing at that sea flashes before him that moment at the Red Sea and now he's at the Jordan. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know what lies ahead of us. It's been 40 years. It's been 40 years since we went into this land. But I can't wait to get back in it. I can't wait. My Canaan is on the other side of this river and when he stepped in the waters rolled back walked across. A new generation, a new generation stepped into a promise that a former generation missed. They had the opportunity, missed, but they walked in and obtained the promise.
want to say as we're wrapping up there's there's there are things in this region that God has intended for his church to possess that a generation has missed for the sake of comfort can I be so bold to say that? I, I understand I'm not, I understand my roots are not from here. I understand that. And I understand maybe I'm stepping into little dangerous waters and saying this. But, but, but can I speak truth and love and say that, that there are things that God has intended for his church in this region to take possession of that maybe a generation gone by has missed out on because of the need for comfort. And it produces a comfort-driven church. How close can we get to the promise without having any problems? That's what happens. How close can we get to the promise? How close can we get to the manifestation of God without having problems? How close can we get to having salvations but not have any problems? How close can we get to his blessing but not? And it looks good and it's comfortable. Anybody, I don't wanna miss. I don't wanna miss it. I don't wanna miss it, Lord. This is the generation. This is the generation that will seek him, that will seek his face. The Jacob generation. Lord, we want to seek your face. God, we're not after comfort. We're after you. Oh, Lord, I feel the weight of this. I feel the weight of that reality right now. My goodness. joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so wonderful.